Well, hello, and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle, and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. So, it's been a minute. I really don't have any excuses. I don't have any reasons other than life caught up to me. And unfortunately, this is kind of one of those things where I didn't plan the way I was supposed to. And I was traveling a lot and I just generally got a lot busier than I expected. And I thought about this podcast constantly, like every day. But unfortunately, I just didn't have the time or the like, I don't know, emotional availability, I guess you could say, to just sit down and actually record. You know, so I've really missed it though. Like I've missed talking about the different people and doing research and, you know, just talking to you guys in general, you know, and just kind of being able to share these cool stories about women that I've found. So welcome back once again to the rebirth. It's like a phoenix. We just keep on going here. And I want to say like, I'm going to be doing much better. I'm going to be doing weekly episodes. I know I've said that before. I went to recently to Phoenix Fan Fusion and I went to a panel on podcasts there and it made me realize how much I missed doing this and so I am saying all the things that I know I've said before where it's I want to do weekly episodes weekly episodes will be coming out from now on and I just hope you guys can stick with me through it and thank you guys for coming back thank you for joining if you're a new listener sorry I bet that was a lot to kind of welcome into but I kind of wanted to get out of the way because I know that you know you can't just have like six month hiatus without explaining it at all a little bit but here we are now we are thriving it is pride month everybody so of course i'm gonna try and do some pride themed stories um this first one is more of an episode that i've had ready not ready but like the script has been ready and now i finally can record it and it's going to be kind of a dual episode so we're going to be spending one episode talking about a mobster from australia and then another episode talking about another mobster from australia and ideally i would like to do a third episode kind of combining like their bloody history but we'll see how it goes um because i also so since it is Pride Month, I want to make sure to set aside um, a couple episodes and story times for, you know, women who were influential in the Pride movement throughout history, who are just kind of, you know, pushed aside and would be good to kind of shine upon them during this month, you know, while we're all talking about Pride and its history and everything like that. Anyway, whatever. I'll get off my soapbox now. This week, I am talking about Kate Lee, who is Australia's answer to Al Capone. And she had a long and bloodied history with another Australian mobster called Tilly Devine. Like I said, um, this episode is all going to be talking about Kate Lee. And depending on how long this runs, maybe it'll be a two-parter. Like I'll put up another episode this week talking about Tilly Devine. And then we'll do... um, like a combination episode talking about their entire bloody history, but we'll see how it goes. I'll keep you updated. You keep me updated. Let's get started. Kate Lee was born March 10th, 1881 in Dubbo, Dubbo, jeez, Dubbo. I love names for places. They were silly. So Dubbo, New South Wales. She was the eighth child of Timothy Behan and Charlotte Behan, and her father worked as a bootmaker. Now, she was abused and neglected all throughout her childhood, which included time in a girl's home at age 12, where she also gave birth to her daughter when she was just a teenager in 1900. Her daughter's name was Eileen May Behan. Um, and this is something I learned from the Australian bio website, but the so-called girl's home was actually more like a girl's juvie. So even as a young child, um, she was kind of branded a troublemaker. Now she left 
or was kicked out, who's to say? I've seen sources for both, when she was 18 and soon got into trouble. She was married in 1902 to a petty criminal by the name of James Lee, and he was known for illegal bookmaking. And illegal bookmaking, because I had no idea what that was. I thought it was like bootlegging, but it is not. It is actually where you basically like receive bets on agreed upon odds. Like, so someone rigs a bet and then the bookie uh, takes the bets from various individuals and pays them out or collects money based on what the book says about who owes what. So illegal bookmaking, where they kind of rig the odds in people's favor, is what James Lee had gotten into. And it's thought that this is where she began to build her underground connections. In 1905, they were both arrested for assaulting their landlord, but only James served time. And while he was in prison, they underwent separation or I guess whatever the 1900 equivalent was for divorce. Honestly, this seemed to be best for her at this point, and she soon began to have some sort of relationship with a man named Samuel Freeman, who only gave her more connections to the underworld. Um, in early 1915, Lee was actually given five years in prison for falsifying an alibi for Freeman and another man, Ernest Ryan, both of whom were convicted for armed robbery. Um, this is a really fun fact. These two men, Samuel Freeman and Ernest Ryan, were the two first armed robbers to use a getaway car in the history of Australian crime. So, you know, kind of groundbreaking there. And of course, Kate Lee was involved in it. What I found really interesting in the course of doing like my research on her is that this is something that she had a history of doing. So she had a lengthy criminal record, of course, like most of the women that I cover here. But in that criminal record, there was a note that said she had a habit of providing bail and alibis for various gangsters and racketeers. Now, once she was released from her five years in prison, she jumped immediately into the sly grog trade. Now, this was essentially where she supplied moonshine during Australia's very own prohibition. This began in the early 1920s, and it continued from her very home in Surrey Hills in Sydney, Australia, where she became the head of organized crime. She supplied a whole range of goods. Um, drinking venues, betting, gambling, prostitution, and starting in about the mid-1920s, cocaine. She quickly earned the title Queen of the Underworld and had a strong base of gangsters who were devoutly loyal to her. She would oftentimes come to their aid and had impressive sharpshooting skills that helped her gain an advantage over those who would try and attack her. And I'm just, this is my own speculation at this point, but I'm assuming that part of the reason they were so loyal to her was that because she would go down for them providing bail and alibis and really built up the loyalty in her base. So, you know, it's, it's easy to see how they would come to really appreciate her and remain loyal to her. In March of 1930, a rival gang broke into Lee's house and she shot and killed one of them, known as Snowy Prendergast. She wasn't actually charged for this, but at some point in 1930, she was charged for co cocaine possession and consorting, which I had to look up and apparently it's when police think you are like regularly associating with those in organized crime, which feels kind of like cheating. To be honest, like that's such a hand wavy way to arrest people. Be like, hey, I saw that you went out to breakfast with this person who's actually associated with this organized crime unit and therefore I'm arresting you for consorting with them. You know, like I can see how that would be easily manipulated. But the reason for her arrest was interesting. 
And this is where we kind of get it a little bit into the feud that she had with Tilly Devine. They were definitely rivals at this point, and Tilly publicly denounced Lee as a, quote, dope pusher and, quote, white slaver who was able to avoid charges because she had connections with those high up in the Labor Party. Even though that may have been actually true, obviously the fact that this went public and was published in tabloids didn't go over well. And so then police had her arrested because of these accusations. She was sentenced to serve two years in prison, but actually only served one and was allowed to pay a fine of 250 pounds instead of serving the second year. Sometime either right before or right after she was in jail. She also shot Joseph McNamara in December of 1931 and just wasn't charged with anything really so it wasn't like I don't know if they were like well you're already going to jail or slash you just got out of jail so we're not gonna worry about it but um yeah there was nothing there was nothing on her record that says that she went to prison or was tried at all for shooting uh, McNamara. Um, this is still in Depression era, so she was also smuggling stolen goods for resale, which she and two other men were convicted for, but ultimately she was let out again with a suspension of her sentence as long as she t- returned to her family in Dubbo for two years. At this point, she was being raided almost constantly by police, part of which was in fact due to Tilly Devine and their ongoing feud. Um, but Despite that, and all of her minor convictions that she kept accumulating, her Sligrog trade continued through the 1930s and the 1940s. Ooh, and oh my gosh, I've just realized that 1930 was almost a hundred years ago. Oh my god, Jesus. Okay, I need a minute. I don't know, did that just get put into perspective by anyone else? Because it definitely did for me. She had a legendary appearance. Like, I would definitely recommend trying to find any pictures of her if you can. Because she would show up in court with these silver fox furs, these gigantic large-brimmed hats, diamond rings on her fingers, and her skin was described as leathery from working in the sun. She married again in January 1950 to someone known as Shiner Ryan, who ultimately ended up dying in 1957. They only lived together for about six months in Sydney before he, I guess, got fed up with her continuing the business and he moved back to Fremantle alone. In 1954, she declared bankruptcy due to failing to pay about 6,191 in pounds from taxes, but she continued to live at Surrey Hills until her death in February of 1964. She was survived by her daughter and buried in the Botany Cemetery in a traditionally Catholic ceremony. What's really interesting to me is that until her death, the press painted her to be this sweet, kind-hearted woman who provided social services and whom had really done no wrong. She was highlighted for her wartime patriotism and her overall generosity. I mean, all this could be true, of course, but let's also not forget the fact that she was essentially an organized crime kingpin who also had a massive blood feud with fellow kingpin, Tilly Devine. Now, we will be getting more into that after I cover Tilly Devine in her own episode, and then we could talk about the blood feud itself, which might just end up being a little mini episode. I always find it really interesting to see how, like, the legacy of these women live on, right? So for Kate Lee, obviously, it was, she was just seen as this misunderstood woman who really was doing a lot of great and charitable things. 
um, and was a patriot and really like nothing was said that was negative about her until after her death. And so I'm wondering if it was like an open secret of like, yeah, she does these things, but also she's really kind and helpful and great to the community. Or if it's like she had certain journalists or I don't know, newspapers on kind of her payroll and it was just making her look better so that there was like a backlash if you know anything did happen I don't know I always find those kind of situations interesting and I would also love to know what you think of it um have you heard of Kate Lee before and where does she rank on like your scale I guess do you think that she was just this really manipulative intelligent woman who had newspapers on her payroll to make her look good or do you think it was kind of like she was just one of those gray characters where yeah she could be a sweet kind-hearted woman and also turn around and shoot her enemies in the face because they were trying to cross her you know I feel like it's not always one or the other sometimes it's just a mix which is why I find these women fascinating to talk about but that is our story of Kate Lee today I would absolutely love to know what you thought of this story. Please feel free to let me know. Um, Give me suggestions on women to talk about in the future or if there's anything that I missed about her that you feel like is very important or that you just think is fun to share. Feel free to reach out to me. Um, I am on social media everywhere as Frumius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. You can find me on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> I am I am on too many social media sites. Um, but if you follow me there and you send me a message, I will definitely respond um, because I'd love to know what your thoughts of this episode were. If you would like to follow the podcast, we are coming back to weekly episodes. And I hope that you guys stay with me. And thank you again for coming back to listen. For all you returning listeners, thank you guys for giving me a chance if you're a new one. Um, make sure if you want to follow the podcast or subscribe and get updated to when we do publish new episodes, you can follow us on basically any podcasting site, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Um, I'm on Libsyn, Google Play, anywhere and anywhere, anywhere and anywhere, everywhere and anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you could find these episodes. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay spooky, friends. And I will talk to you guys next week. Okay, bye.